Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the B8 Sales Kennel Cup Holistic Healthcare Products Healing Hour, Grandpa Bells, Grunts, and Groans at Spotify each and every day right here in the studio where I pretty much start each and every day on the focus of what I'm going to be doing during the day each and every day at my podcast shows times three, Count Calculistic Healing Hour, and then the two different passive and residual market sharing programs, subscription membership base that I talk about under the guise of mentor moments for 7K medals and also CTFO, Changing the Future Outcome, 7K medals being gold, silver, and precious medals, CTFO being health and wellness products. Today, I want to revisit a subject I've been talking about, intensifying my reading of recent note for sure, and talking again about revisiting In the Vineyard of the Text by Ivan Illich. And I want to go through a couple of points about how the magnetic memory method that I've been taking course now for oh several months now, probably like four months, three and a half, four months. And I've been talking about different factions of it all along the way. My instructor and friend, Dr. Anthony Mativier, who's been on my show and we're working on trying to see what his schedule will allow this summer, July-ish perhaps beyond, but we'll get him back on the show. So I've also asked him to come through. This is part of my kind of home study that I do in the structure of the course with the many techniques that are devised there and covered both through the series of videos there. And uh, I initially signed up for the free PDF, which is still available. Long story short, this summer, I'm hoping to exchange and share quite a bit of this, fingers crossed, not so much specifically this book, which I'll get to in a moment, with my granddaughter, Ada, in lieu of a summer job where she worked last year and so on and so forth. She is supposedly going to be tutoring me in Mandarin this summer which is something that she really has an interest in and excels at pretty well at school. So in the course of that, there's a couple of other books that I want to try to introduce. She's the voracious reader. And I think this book in the course in the free PDF, I'm going to discuss it with her dad and stuff, but I think it would behoove her to have it in her repertoire moving forward. You know, there's a passage in here that I want to uh, allude to in a second about not so much one of the income factions, but one of the income factions, market sharing gold, silver, and precious metals or precious stones. And how this book, this is my third time going through this book. And I think I'm back up to chapter three now. 
And I want to find the passage as it pertains to gold and silver in the premise of this book, and then I'll get to the technique of how the memory method actually has helped me with scattered brain and damaged brain and just uh, one of the points that Dr. Anthony in one of the tapes alluded to so much in his own case when he was back even during graduate school, he almost, he almost quit just being distracted as a reader. <laughs> I've always had that problem. So in any event, directly quoting, the treasures of wisdom are many-fold and they are many hide, there are many hiding places in your heart, here for gold, there for silver, and elsewhere, again, for precious stones. You must learn to distinguish these spots, to know which is where, in order to remember where you have placed this thing or that. Just observe the money changer in the market and do like him. See how his hand darts into the appropriate satchel and instantly draws out the right coin. This goes back to like 1150. I want to see my notes here. It is Coins Club. I've talked to her about that. I'll highlight that more if some of these summer things happen. She may or may not have interest in helping me with my podcast show, some of the busy work which is plenty, <laughs> and also this new marketing uh, attribution element that I talk about at one of the business shows, and I actually did some data about Gen Zers, which my granddaughter's 15 and a half, a little bit better than that, she'll be 16 in October. It's her peer group, and they're very familiar with streamlined advertising and attribution, and uh, yeah, Stay tuned, she may be helping me out. So there's lots of ways besides the gold, silver, and precious metals that I talk about in the legacy. I do that for her and my son to leave it to them. And they have a subscription uh, accordingly. So the gold and silver and precious stones passage rang true because there's a series in the magnetic memory methods of incorporating alphabet and how you do series of numbers. We talked about Aristotle. It gets, it gets pretty good. I went all the way through the complete 10 segments of, and I've already said I'm nowhere near the finish line. I've gone through the first six several times, and there's many informative videos and Dr. Anthony and I talk quite frequently uh, via his YouTube channel or email, and of course when we get him back on the show. So I'll expand upon this more in the vineyard of the text, Ivan Illich. And it's a commentary to Hughes. <laughs> Still working on that word. But that's one of my one of the fascinating things about the book. And it plays into what Dr. Mativia's eventual so many so many hundreds of years later program kind of uh sort of is derived from in different factions of the memory palace, apartments, compartments, 
And it's a fascinating book. It's a fascinating book. And this is the adaptation as a commentary to Hughes. Didascale, didascalicon, 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 didascalicon. One of the other things that I want <clears throat> to talk to Dr. Anthony about, and whichever he gets first, uh, the notification via YouTube, or if he sees this and or the email, because he's in New Zealand in the time zone, uh, his adaptation of the different definitions of the word and then there's other key topics that i'll be talking about through the notes in the book about order memory and history <clears throat> i'll leave you with a passage of this from chapter two of the book never look down on anything once you have gotten your fill with little things you may safely try the big ones Hugh quotes from Mabrodus, that's M-A-R-B-O-D-U-S, to introduce one of the two passages in his entire work in which he tells something about his own youth. In the splinter of an autobiography, he occasionally lapses into direct speech. I dare to affirm before you, I myself never looked down on anything which had to do with education but that I often learned many things which seemed to others to be a sort of a joke or just nonsense. I recall that when I was still a schoolboy, I worked hard to know the names of all things that my eyes fell upon or that came into my use, frankly concluding that a man cannot come to know the nature of things if he is still ignorant of their names. How many times each day would I repeat my little bits of wisdom, sophismata, crumbling on crumbs of knowledge, which thanks to their shortness, I have noted down in one or two words on a page, so that I might keep a mindful hold on the solutions in even the number of practicality, all the thoughts, questions, and objections which I had learned. Often I proposed cases and with the opposing contentions were lined up against one. Another, I diligently distinguished what would be the business of the rhetoric, rhetorician, what of the orator, what of the sophist. I laid out pebbles for numbers and I marked the pavement with black coals and by a model placed right before my eyes, I plainly showed what difference there is between an obtruse angle and a right angled and an acute angled triangle, whether or not an equilateral parallelogram would yield the same area as a square with two of the sides were multiplied together. I learned by walking both figures, wow, and measuring them with my feet. Often I kept watch exuberavi outdoors through the winter nights, like one of the fixed stars by which we measure time. Often I used to bring out my strings, stretched to their number on the wooden frame, both that I might note with my car the difference amongst the tone, that I might at the same time delight my soul with the sweetness of the sound. These were boyish pursuits, to be sure 
yet not without their utility for me, nor does my present knowledge of them lie heavy upon my stomach. But I do not reveal these things to you in order to parade my knowledge, which is either nothing at all or very little, but in order to show you that the man who moves along step by step, ordinate, is the one who moves along best, not like some who fall ahead over heels when they wish to make a great leap ahead. Much, much more on the wisdom. I'm going to read the back cover. How are we doing? Great. We'll get out of here in about five more minutes. Thanks for bearing with me. History in a work with profound implications for the electronic age, Ivan Illich explores how revolutions in technology affect the way we understand and read the text, beginning with the extended reflection on the didascalicon, didascalicon, didascalicon of Hugh of St. Victor. Illich celebrates the culture of the book from the 12th century to the present. Hugh's work at once in Encyclopedia and Guide to the Art of Reading reveals a 12th century revolution in bookmaking as sweeping as that brought about by the computer age. Transition from reading as a vocal group activity performed in the monastery to reading as a predominantly silent activity performed by and for individuals. I want to highlight a point at the end about silent reading. Read aloud. Read aloud. Talk to yourself. Read to a puppet. We've talked about that before. I'll get back to a show on that. Continuing here, according to Illich, when the sensual, textual, actual book as body goes, so goes the vital human form of interaction. Marilyn Snell, U-T-N-E reader. Utney, in the vineyard, as in all of Illich's writings, the search runs through accepted certainties, whatever their times and places, questioning them for truths still valued in the formation of personal wisdom. Mother Jerome von Nagel, OSB, Abbey of Regina Laudis. Book reading is not just the deciphering of words, but an experience that can transform the reader in ways deeper than the communication of information. Illich's analysis focuses on how in early 12th century Europe, at the end of an enlightening of a darkened heart and mind, Vineyard itself aims to awaken in the contemporary reader possibilities for ascetic recovery amongst those otherwise dominated by information transfer via hypertext and the electronic screen. Through this, the meta-technology world with which we are all now confronted, Carl Mitchum, Penn State University, one more Historian, philosopher, educator, and social critic Ivan Illich was born in Vienna in 1926 and currently divides his time between Mexico, Germany, and the United States. His main works include Deschooling Society, Tools for Conviviality, Medical Nemesis, Gender, and ABC, The Alphabetization of the popular mind. Since 1986, he has been a visiting professor in the Science, Technology, and Society program 
at Pennsylvania State University, the University of Chicago Press. And the cover image is the courtesy of Newberry Library, Chicago. And the cover design is Martin Herzl. Techniques. Read a book from literally front to back, but cover to cover, but also try doing it in reverse. Uh, that's highlighted in uh, the program, Magnetic Memory Methods. Read all parts of the book to help stay with one of the tapes within the, that struck my heart from childhood is Thor with Thor's hammer and the uh, indoctrination of the alphabet with Thor literally smashing the hammer down. And I'll show some examples. I'll talk more and more about the examples when I get more. This isn't like a memory technique by rote, and it's not necessarily, especially for me, it's not necessarily that I'm going to sit there and go, blah, 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 chapter one, line for line. It's the process that I'm learning on how to reframe my brain on a couple of issues. I mean, chronology, but my mercury poisoning and my, you know, I get some issues in my, and it's okay with focus. And uh, it's really helped with that. And it's really helped with framing my podcast show and then tying it all back into my prosperity. This would be a great book. She's a voracious reader and she's very intelligent. And she is all biased aside. She's gifted. She's been awarded as an up and coming young writer. And, you know, all this last three years and stuff. Um, been a couple of rough years for all kids around the world. So we've got to rejuvenate and help paying it forward. This isn't very much so part of my legacy and what I'm trying to instill in my granddaughter. And I'm gonna, I got a book in mind. Um, about a fascinating gentleman um, that I talked about in the archives back in the 50s. I'm not going to say his name because I want to save that for an upcoming. You can remember, he was on Gary Moore, I've Got a Secret, Harry is a hint, bye-bye for now, and much, much more in uh, my upcoming shows. So I'm going to get back to dissecting the book for the third time, and that's kind of my weekend project. I'll keep you all updated. Peace out, buddy.